And so, if you got your Bibles, turn to uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. Very, very odd book for us to be in, but I think it's going to be a timely book and a timely passage for us uh, today. Hey, by the way, real quick, if you didn't get notes when you walked in, raise your hand. We got, we have notes. Okay, we got couple places all over. Uh, Kelby's coming around. Just keep your hands up. We got uh, some of you we may have missed on your way here. So if you don't have notes, just raise your hand. We'll make sure that we get those to you. And um, and glad glad to do that. Get to you there. Ezekiel chapter 37 is where we'll be. Of course, we'll have it on the screen for those that are lazy and don't want to bring their Bibles. Uh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, it's there in your notes. Three different ways that you can do it. And so I encourage you to get there. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 37 is where we're going to read, and, uh, and then we'll dive right into the Word today. So let's pray. Well, let's, let's read first, and then we'll, we'll pray after. So Ezekiel three, uh, 37, starting in verse 1, and it says this. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, and we just, we thank you, God, that you have given us uh, the spirit of revelation through your word. And God, we ask that today that you would give our minds illumination so that we could experience your transformation like none other. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you want to do tonight. And I pray, God, that after this message, this church will never be the same. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. For those of you that know, um, I just got back from South Africa with Pastor Bubba. Uh, We were there for 11 days, and I know he shared a little bit of that this past Sunday. Um, I don't know if he shared this part with you, though. Uh, South Africa is amazing, by the way. If if you ever get a chance to go, I would encourage you to go and just see what God does. There's something about experiencing another culture, especially in the third world, just to see what's going on there and to see how God's building the church, not just in the U.S., but how God's building the church in Africa and all over. Over. Um, but one of the things that they failed to tell us was that the weather was a little bit different. Now, of course, we knew uh, going there that the weather was going to be cold. Uh, they are Southern Hemisphere, so our, our summer is their winter. Our winter is their summer. So they celebrate Christmas with shorts and shirts. Sounds like Louisiana, though, actually. <laughs> the truth. But anyway, so it's the de- dead heat of the summer all in November and January, and it's really cold uh, in, in the summer. But one of the things that they didn't tell us, though, they were like, it's just like Louisiana. But what they didn't tell us is they're not by the coast, and so it's very dry. Very dry. So dry that, like, just maybe two days in, Malaysia, the only girl that went on the trip with us, I'm looking at her, and it looks like she's been in the desert for, like, nine days. <laughs> Her lips were like splitting down the middle. I mean, literally, they were like cracking. I thought there was like either the beginning forms of leprosy <laughs> or something really weird was going on. So I was like, get this girl some chapstick. And, uh, and, and actually, over the course of the next couple of days, my lips started doing it. And I realized, man, this weather is, re- even though it's really cold, it's really dry. So we're all, all the team has like loads of chapstick in there. And I mean, you always see them looking like they're putting on lipstick all the time, all throughout the day. 
And then about, probably about six days into it, I woke up and I just felt wet like all over me. And I was like, what is that? And I got my little phone to, to look in the middle of the night and I was bleeding on myself. My nose was bleeding. My nose had dried out really bad. Um, and so over the next three or four days, um, I, I, I couldn't get like nasal spray anywhere. So I would literally go into the bathroom and suck water through my nose like cocaine. Um, I mean, seriously, it was bad to the point. Like I was always picking my nose because I would have these like crusts that was developed. I couldn't breathe out of my right nostril for at least least three days. And, uh, I mean, it was really, really bad, really dry. So anyways, when you go to South Africa, bring nasal spray and bring lip balm, okay? I'm just trying to give you a heads up. So yeah, very, very dry. I experienced it just a tad bit. The passage that we read today is speaking about uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet and uh, God uh, gives him a vision, brings him in this vision where he brings them to a a desert area. And, and you saw in the passage, it said it was very, very dry. I, I experienced a little dryness in South Africa, but nothing to the degree of the dryness of what we get in, in this passage. And this passage talks about how God brought him uh, to a valley, and in this valley was just bones. It was extremely dry, and there was just bones everywhere. And uh, God was bringing him there for a purpose and for a reason. And uh, as I begin to read this passage over the past week or so, I've really just begun to realize, I mean, as you know, um, our, our, our city, our state, our nation, I really honestly is kind of in a, a valley season right now. Um, I mean, everywhere you look, it's just desolate, death, just bad stuff that's going on. And, uh, man, just talking with a lot of different people. I mean, I was gone. While I was in South Africa, I got reports of more shootings that happened. I got reports of people in our church that got diagnosed with cancer. There were some people that had passed away. I mean, people falling from ladders. Just things that were happening that were just absolutely crazy. And uh, just coming back and then even talking with more people, a lot of people right now are just going through a valley, desert-like season. How many of you would say maybe that's kind of where you're at right now? Just kind of dry, um, just, it's just that type of season. I, I find not everybody's going through that, but there's a lot of people right now kind of going through that season. And Ezekiel speaks very plain and very direct when, when God brings him through this valley. And he brings him to this valley for a purpose. And uh, oftentimes God doesn't keep us from valleys. He, he brings us to them. And you'll notice in this passage, the very beginning, it says in verse 1, the hand of the Lord is upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of God, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. How many of you know we all really love mountaintop experiences? Man, I love mountaintop. You know, on the mountain, it's beautiful. Lindsay and I, we go to Colorado pretty often with Joel, and uh, I have to, like, drag her on the plane because she doesn't want to leave the mountains because they're just beautiful. I mean, they really are. They're beautiful, especially they're white-capped. I mean, everything's growing. It's nice. And really, spiritually, a lot of us enjoy that. Um, We love that scenery. We love being in that. We really don't like valleys too much. Um, Most of South Africa was like a valley. I mean, it was just like flat. I felt at home because it was a lot like Louisiana in some regards, but just really dry and all that. And, And we don't really care for valleys. But we just find out here in Ezekiel that God brought them to it. And I'm going to just tell you this. If you're in a valley right now, it may be that God brought you there. 
But here's the thing that I've learned in the valleys that God brings us. He always brings us into valleys because he wants to show us something. Um, He wants to teach us something. And so um, I want to today share with you what uh, the title of today's message is, Life in the Valley. Um, But I want to share with you lessons from the valley. What can we learn when we're in a valley in our life? When everything around us looks like it's, it's dead, when everything around us looks like it's not going well, when everything around us looks like it's just, what in the world is happening? Chaotic. I believe that God took Ezekiel right there into the Valley of Dry Bones, not because he's wanting to teach him something, but because he was wanting to show him something. And so the very first thing that you're going to see, and I want you to write this down, and this is one of the first lessons that you're going to realize when God brings you into a valley in your life is this. You're going, you're going to realize real quickly that uh, God wants to give you perspective. Write that word down, perspective. Perspective. And then right next to that, I want you to write down the word sea life. Not S-E-A, not like Nemo, but like S-E-E, sea life. I want you to see life. One of the things that you're going to notice whenever uh, God brings Ezekiel to this valley of dry bones is he, he walks him amongst the bones, and then God asks a question. And we've said this multiple times here at church. Anytime God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Often it's because he wants to see if you know the answer and see if you know what he's trying to get you to learn. And he asked him a question. Here's the question that he asked him. Son of man, can these bones live? It's a question that I think a lot of us, when we look at our own lives, is a question that God asks us too. I mean, you look at your marriage and go, is this marriage going to make it? Are my kids going to make it? Um, if my kids stay like this, they're not going to make it. <laughs> um, are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, some honest parents in here. Uh, am I going to get released from my job? Am I going to do, I mean, just whatever is going on. Are we going to make it with our finances? Are we going to do this? And God looks specifically at, at Ezekiel and says, do you, you think these bones can live? And Ezekiel's answer is pretty clever. Um, he tells him, God, only you know if this can live. But the, the thing is that God brought Ezekiel to the valley because God wanted to give him perspective. He wanted him to see something that maybe nobody else saw. I don't know if you, if you realize this. I just got an email yesterday. And uh, we're, we're putting our, our boys into school for the... They're not homeschooled this year. They're going to go into regular school. Actually, that's why I was, I was gone. Uh, I didn't get here till late because we just did a, an interview and all that with the school. And... And I got an email yesterday saying that Louisiana public schools are 51st in the nation. I was like, awesome. I'm putting my kids in school. We are dead last in, in the school quality. Dead last. Um, that came off of a survey that they just did. And, and so you look at schools in our, in our state and go, oh, they're not, some of them are really, really rough. And you look, at, you look at everything that's going on in Baton Rouge, everything that's going on with the police stuff, everything that's going on racially, everything that's going on. Come on, how many of you just look at our state and go, we're in some trouble? There's some stuff that's going on. And how many know when you look at it, there's just, sometimes it's just not good stuff? I mean, you, you read the news or you, you're, you're on Facebook in any regards and you just get a perspective of everything bad that's going on in our area, everything bad that's going on in our state. And everything that's bad in our, in our city. When I tell people I'm from Jennings, um, it's usually not good remarks that I get from people. I don't know if any of you are like that. Um, our city is known for some pretty, pretty rough and bad stuff. And so, yet again, this is what Ezekiel is seeing. Ezekiel's looking out at this land and going, this is really bad. This is some bad things. And yet God is wanting him to see something that he's not seeing. So here's the question. Why did God bring Ezekiel 
to see this. Why do you bring Ezekiel in a vision to go see this? Well, this is the truth. Because oftentimes we always think God's presence is provided to fix our problems. But what if God's presence is about fixing our perspective? What if God's presence in our life and where he brings us is not to fix our problems, but to fix our perspective? To give us to look at something in a different way. God gives you a new way to look at your problems. A new way to look at the valleys. See, because here's the deal. When Ezekiel was brought out into the valley of dry bones, Ezekiel saw something, but God also saw something too. And the way Ezekiel saw the problem was way different than the way God saw the problem. Ezekiel saw dry bones. God saw something else. We'll see that in just a minute. And oftentimes in our own life, God wants us to get perspective. When Moses and the children of Israel are running from Pharaoh uh, and they're at the Red Sea and all they see is the sea and then they turn around and they see chariots running after them very fast. And the Bible says that all the people start complaining to Moses, you delivered us from Egypt to kill us? And so it's funny because Moses says, Take confidence. God is going to show up in a powerful way. And the next verse says, and, God, and Moses cried out to God. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> all the people are going to Moses like, we got this. God's got this. It's all in control. And then he like hides behind something. God, what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. And this is what God tells them. God says, don't be scared of the chariots. I've already made a way. Just raise up your staff. As if he was saying this. Listen. The truth is, the only thing that you got to be scared of is not the chariots. What you have to be scared of is complacency. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's nothing that God will allow to touch your life. God, God has got you. God's got the victory. The only thing that's going to defeat you is if you just don't do anything. Complacency. The deliverance for Moses was when he just raised the staff. And all the people are fearful because God was wanting him to see through a different perspective. He wants him to see everything in his life through a different perspective. Philip Yancey, um, an author, this is what he says about faith. He says this, faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. (laughs) Faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Meaning that as Christians and as followers of Christ, we believe something that we don't see. Really? I mean, how many of you Jesus showed up in your room? No, I mean, when you really honestly think about what we believe, it's kind of crazy, don't you think? Like, we believe in a, in a Savior that has come and forgiveness, and, and, but we believe in him, but we've never seen him. And yet we believe that one day he's going to come and he's going to win all this, and he's going to come back on a white horse with a sword and, like, coming from the clouds, and, like, people are going to go into, like, when you really think about that, that's kind of crazy. I mean, let's be honest here, isn't it? Yeah, the blowing of a trumpet, people are going to be disappearing. Their clothes are going to be on the floor. I mean, it's like, I mean, when you really start kind of talking it out, you're like, this is kind of, like, what what do y'all believe around there? But this is, this is faith. This is what we believe. This is the scriptures that we come to. And God's goal for Ezekiel wasn't that he would just see it, but that he would speak to it. See, because here's the deal. You can't speak to the problems in your life unless you will actually honestly recognize that they're problems. 
We've got to begin with honesty and go, yeah, this is a problem. Listen, I'm not saying that we deny the fact that there is racism or that there is the murders or that the schools are what they are or that the struggles of what we have in our city. Or any, I'm not saying deny the problem. I'm just saying that we're not going to take them on and proclaim that that is the truth of our city. We're going to speak something totally different. But you can't do that over your life until you see that there actually is a problem. Y'all see what I'm saying? Like you don't experience God and you don't get to see his perspective until everybody else sees it a different way. How many of you have ever just been around other people and man, you're trying to like speak faith. You're trying to like just speak hope in a situation. Everybody around you is like, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And you're like, I know it's bad. I don't need you to tell me. I understand it's bad. But I'm trying to see from a different perspective because it's all about perspective. Perspective is so huge for us because if you can't see as God sees, you can't do as God does. So I'm going to tell you right now, you can't go to point number two if you don't go to point number one, which is see life. God, when, when God brought Ezekiel to the Valley of Dry Bones, the dry bones represented Israel. Israel at the beginning of time was a flourishing, thriving nation. It was designed to be God's holy people. And Israel turned its back to God and God allowed them to be captured and they were in captivity. I mean, everything was going bad. Their nation was totally desolate. I mean, there was just nothing to their nation. It seemed like everything was going bad. And here we are, God brings Ezekiel in this moment in Israel's history where everything's going bad. And he's going, Hey, how's Israel look for you now? And Ezekiel's looking at it going, it doesn't look good, but here's the deal. God put a promise on Israel that they would be his people no matter what. And so God could see something about these bones that Ezekiel couldn't see. You're going to see it. Watch what happens. So here's the second one. So the first one is perspective. The first thing that we learn in any valley in our life is perspective. We've got to gain God's perspective. If you don't gain God's perspective, you'll always have people's fears. So we've got to see life. Even in the midst of the dead bones, we've got to see life. Even in the midst of your dead marriage, you've got to see life. In the midst of whatever the doctor says, you've got to see life. In the midst of whatever that boss says, you've got to see life. Even though what your bank account says. Come on, let's, let's get real honest here. We see life. And the second thing, though, is, is you prophesy. Meaning, you speak life. You speak life. But yet again, remember, you can't speak life if you don't see life. Y'all hear me? You can't speak life if you don't see life. If you see your kids, man, and I, I'm telling you, this frustrates the heck out of me. When I, when I hear people talk about their kids, man, that's my little hellion over there. He is becoming what you say. You just spoke that into existence. That's what it is. Because you see him as that, so you speak it as that, and then that's what he becomes. But what if we saw, man, that's a child of God. He's a gift from God. I want to beat him sometimes, but he is a gift from God. I want to return him sometimes, but he is a gift from God. He is an arrow in my hand, and God has given me the responsibility of raising him up in the ways of the Lord, and he's got a call and destiny on life, and I'm going to call that out. What would that look like? What would that look like? And so sometimes it's, being, it's speaking things that don't, you can't see. So prophet, notice what God tells him. Now look, look in verse 4. So God asks Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? And he says, well, I don't know, God, that's, that's kind of for you to figure out. I don't know. And look at verse 4. So this is what God tells Ezekiel. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall what? Live. You shall live. 
And I will lay sinews upon you and I'll cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. And I'll put breath in you. We'll come to that in a minute. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Notice what God tells Ezekiel to do. God tells Ezekiel prophesy. Notice he doesn't tell him, I want you to pray. Notice he doesn't tell him, I want you to ask me. He says, I want you to prophesy over these bones. Now here's bones is a, is a, is a symbol. Now all throughout scripture, uh, I don't know if you've been taught this before, but all throughout, throughout scripture, there are symbols that represent something in, in scripture. And so like, if you see fish in the new Testament, do y'all know what fish represent? Fish represent people. Bible says that God says, I will make you fishers of men, men. And so anytime you see this, these, these images of fish, it represents people. When you see the image of the cross, the cross represents a symbolism of salvation. When you see a dove, it represents a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So does fire. So does water. So does breath. Bones, you know what it symbolizes? Promise. I'll show you. Um, There was a promise on Joseph's life that he would forever have the favor of God on his life. How many know when you follow the story of Joseph, it didn't go well, but everywhere he went, he had favor. Well, he had so much favor. He was in second in command. You know the whole story. You may or may not know the whole story. You can go read it in Genesis. But when, when Joseph died, the Bible says that they took Joseph's bones and they put them in a box and they took them with them everywhere they went. And everywhere they went, they had the favor of God on them. You know why? Joseph's bones. Joseph's bones. The story of Elijah. Elijah had a promise that he would have an anointing on his life that no one can take. Elijah was killed and his bones were buried in a field. And there's a story, you can go read it in the scriptures as well. A soldier was fighting a war in the field and he died in battle, but he fell at the exact spot that Elijah's bones were and he was resurrected immediately. Why? Because Elijah had the promise of the anointing of God on his life. Samson, the promise of Samson. God said, I will make you a warrior and you will be a great warrior for my name. Well, if you go read the story of Samson, he, he did wayward things, but he was able to kill Thousands and thousands of Philistines with a what? A jawbone. The story of Jesus on the cross. Four thirty-nine lashes. Crown of thorns on his head. But the Bible says there was not one bone broken. You know what that means? That there's no promises that God breaks. And so here we are. Now think about this. Ezekiel is put in a valley of broken promises. (laughs) Broken bones, shattered dreams, all of this that's going on. I want you to see something. So So God tells Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy over these bones. And here's why he tells them. Because here's... Here's what happens oftentimes is we start, and I want you to listen to me very closely. We start saying what everyone else is saying and what you don't realize is you're agreeing with it. When you start saying what everybody else is saying, you agree with it. 
So when you hear all the stuff that's going on the news and then you just start repeating everything that's on the news, you agree with it. And you begin to find yourself in alignment with those things. But let, let me tell you this. Just because I see it doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Just because I see a valley of dry bones doesn't mean I have to agree that this is going to be a valley of dry bones. Y'all hear me? When, I know when we got the diagnosis of what the doctor said about Joel, I got a note card from my grandmother. The day of the diagnosis that said Psalm 118.17 in her handwriting. And that verse says... And she scratched out the words he, and she put Joel, and the verse says, Joel shall not live, but, but Joel shall not live. Joel shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen. And I still have that card in my house to this day, and that is still a verse to this day we declare no matter what the doctors say. Yeah. The same as with Pastor Bubba in their situation. The same as in your situation. Listen, you don't have to, even though you see it, doesn't mean you have to agree with it. And we've got to stop agreeing with what the world says. And we've got to start agreeing with what the Word says. The Word says something totally different than what the world says. God doesn't need a church that agrees with CNN and Fox News. He needs a church that agrees with his word and speaks his word over the, over the situations of our life. And I'm going to tell you right now, and if you hear anything I have to say today, if you want to change the direction of your life, change the declaration of your lips. Man, we just broke, we poor. Yeah, and you'll stay that way. Now, I'm not saying, listen, we're going we gonna to just come in here and go, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. Okay, it's not this like speak it and claim it and all that kind of stuff, but there is power in the tongue. The Bible says there's life and death in your tongue, in what you say, in what you speak. And, and God is telling Ezekiel, listen, I don't want you just to see this differently. I want you to speak differently. I want you to speak to these dry bones and I want you to tell them to come alive. And I hear people all the time, man, our city's terrible. Don't speak that over this city. This city is going to be a place where God is going to do amazing things. I believe it. I believe he's already began. I believe he's already started. Man, our young people are jacked up. No, they're not. This is a generation that is, God is using and is going to use for his kingdom and for his purposes all the time. I believe it. I believe he's doing that. And we've got to be a people that speak over these things. Man, man, I'm just praying for my family to be saved. Man, don't just be praying for your family. Your family will be saved. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. If one is saved, the entire household is saved. Oh, man, I just pray that God would increase my finances. Don't just pray that. There's a promise from God that he will supply every need according to his riches and glory. So you just say, God, you've supplied all my needs. Stop praying for finances and just go, just start speaking. God, you're going to supply everything. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work, but we're going to speak this over our life, over our checking account. We're going to speak this. God, you're going to provide. If you provide for the birds and you provide for the flowers and I'm a child of God, you will provide for me. Y'all with me? Why get up in the morning and just be depressed? I read a statistic the other day that said 54% of people, the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is check their phone. Do you know what's on your phone? Majority is bad news. Majority of it. Or you get to watch somebody else's life and compare how bad yours is compared to somebody else's. Then you really feel deflated. What would it look like as a people of God, the first thing that we woke up before we ever talked to people, we talked to God? What would it look like that we allowed him to talk to us before we allow anybody else to talk to us? Well, how would that change? How would that change the rest of our day? 
But you can't speak life if you don't see life. That's why it's important for us to get into the presence of God because he allows us to see things as he saw. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus went throughout the crowds healing people. But when he looked at the crowds, he felt great compassion because he realized that they were people that were harassed, helpless, and without a shepherd. That's how Jesus feels when he gets around people in lost humanity. What would it look like for us as a people when we go into our workplaces, when we go into our schools in the coming week, when we go into our neighborhoods, when we go into our homes, that we say, God, let me see like you see. And instead of sitting here and speaking life or, I mean, speaking death and depression over my family, why don't I speak life over my husband? Why don't I speak life over my wife and over my kids and over this situation? Y'all with me? If you want to change the direction of your life, change the declaration of your lips. Can you imagine what is going to happen? If you've heard, uh, Monday we will begin 21 days of prayer. We do this every year. August, we set aside 21 days of prayer. And then in in January, we set aside 21 days of prayer and fasting. So you better be glad it's not January. So you don't have to fast anything. Unless you want to. But can you imagine what it would look like for 21 days as a church family? Everybody in this church got up every morning and just declared and prophesied over their family, over this church, over this city, over these schools, over this state, over this nation, the word of God. How would your life look differently if you begin to proclaim God's word over your situation more than just declaring your problems to God? We've got to speak life. And here's number three. So perspective, prophesy, power. Three lessons that we learn when we're in the valley. Perspective, gaining God's perspective. How to prophesy, how to preach. Honestly, sometimes learning how to preach to yourself. How many you know it's easy to preach to other people? So just preaching to yourself. Self, get up. Get going. And number three, power. So with that, we see life, we speak life, and here's your last one, experience life, which is the desire of this church from day one, that every person that walks into these doors would experience this right here, would experience life. Let me, let me show you. Ezekiel chapter 37, now verse 7. It says, so I prophesied as, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, now watch this. As I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, and bone and its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them. But there was no, what's that word? Breath. No breath where? Yeah. In them. We're going to talk about that. There was no breath in them. And so God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. We have a number of nurses in our church here, um, and so I know probably many of them have done this before, but have you ever experienced somebody that's choking, and you have to try to give the Heimlich, and not only give the Heimlich, maybe even go to the point of having to give CPR, 
with somebody? You know, CPR works, huh? Stay in the line, stay in line. Ah, ah. Okay, anyways. Y'all gotta. <laughs> you gotta watch The Office to know that. Get that right. First, I was afraid. I was. No, anyways. Okay. Uh, that's a whole episode. I just went over most of y'all's head. That's okay. My wife knows. Um, yeah, CPR. I mean, you're doing the compressions and then you're, you're literally breathing breath into them for the purpose of bringing them back to life. And this, this verse says that, that as Ezekiel is prophesying, now here's the deal. It actually doesn't say like what he's saying in his prophecy. Like it doesn't say his prophecy. I could only like fill in the gaps as to what his prophecy was like. Uh, but as he's prophesying, there's a sound. I don't know what that sound is like, but there's a sound. And then all of a sudden, he just sees these bones. I mean, I can't even imagine what this sight must have been, seeing the bones come, and then muscle being wrapped around the bones, and then skin being wrapped around the bones, and then the, the skeleton of a man there. But he looked at that man and realized that man is, has a shell, has a body, but does not have life. And he realized that the life of God is from the breath of God. Now, yet again, coming back to symbolism, the breath of God you know what it represents? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. And so he says, prophesy to the Spirit of God to breathe life into him. And then he does. Breathes life right into him. Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is like the redheaded stepchild of the Trinity, I think. We know the Father. We know the Son. Most of us are really weirded out by the Holy Spirit. It's true. It really is. Everybody wants to pray to the Father. Everybody loves Jesus. And who Holy Spirit? Woo, I don't know about that Holy Ghost stuff. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you here, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a friend, a comforter, a guide. And the Holy Spirit is actually the reason why you love Jesus. The Holy Spirit's whole design is to get you to be more like Jesus. And the Spirit of God, when it comes in, here's the deal. None of you are saved in here without the working of the Holy Spirit. You ever sat in a service here and you're like, he's preaching right at me. Like, did they like email him? Like what was going on? And like, it seemed like every time he looked my way, he was like looking at me. Any of y'all ever felt like that before? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Okay. Yeah. They do email us by the way. All your, there's a couple of you I've been looking at a little bit. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't know. You know what that is? That's the spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that draws us, that you could come in with all dysfunction, all death, all depression, all detachment from everything that's going on and just feel like life is just beat it out of you. And then you walk in here and it's like, everybody do that. You ever feel like when you're like about to explode on somebody, you just go, You know why you do that? It's because you need to just kind of refocus and just release some of that. And for us as Christians, it's, I think, honestly, God breathes life into us. I, let me read a passage of scripture, John six sixty three. I'm going to show you how this works. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. It says, the spirit, if we can put that on, John six thirty three, And the spirit gives, what's that word? Life. Life. 
The flesh counts for nothing. And the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Listen, that's our passion every Sunday. Every Sunday you came, every first Wednesday that you come, every time you go to a life group, every time you come to Next Step, is that you would just experience life. If there's anything that would set our church apart, listen, you, we can go through, the, through the, the rituals. And many of you have been in churches where it's rituals and rules and repetitive stuff, but no life. No life. And the difference, what the Spirit of God does in our life is he breathes life. He breathes life on the scriptures. They come alive to us. He breathes life into our bones. Charles Finney, who was a famous, famous preacher, led over half a million people to the Lord, um, had kind of some crazy quirks when it came to the Holy Spirit. wasn't really too hot on the Holy Spirit, kind of treated him like most people treat him. He struggled a lot with understanding the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit really became alive to him, he he penned these words. And this is what he wrote. He says, As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, so undoubtedly he's at his home or somewhere, he said, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impressions like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. And now this is what he says. It seemed like the very breath of God. Some of you here need to get your breath back. The enemy has literally knocked the breath out of you. And you have felt deflated and defeated. And like you're in a desert. And I'm here today, if anything, for today that God would just just breathe fresh life in you. That if you've been depressed, or you've been hurt, or whatever this week has been like for you, that today you would just take a big breath in. That God would fill you with his breath again. Because here's the truth. The Spirit of God actually is already in you. You know that? Yes. Let me show you. Romans eight eleven, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. What? Say that out loud like you actually mean it. <laughs> Say it lives in me. Okay, we'll make it personal. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by this same Spirit that's living within you. Listen, sometimes we can get so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we forget that the resurrection life of Jesus lives inside of us. I see more defeated Christians, and it's so frustrating. Because I'm like, you don't even realize how much power you have inside of you. Like, the Spirit of God that raised him from the dead lives in you. And the enemy wants to try to Totally defer your focus on your problems, on your circumstances, on everything that's temporal. And God is always trying to divert you right back to everything that's eternal. You know your spirit more than body. You are a body, but you know your spirit more than anything. This body will go. Your spirit will live forever. And the same spirit that lived in Jesus lives inside of you. And my hope is that you would know this person. And that you would experience this life. 
that you would see life. When everything around you looks bleak and bad, that you would see life. Everybody, it, everybody says that's optimism. I don't think it's optimism. I think it's faith. I think it's faith. And we see life. And not only do we see it, we speak it. We speak life. The world that you were created was created by your words. So watch what you say. Watch what you post. Watch what you listen to. Watch what you allow in. When you allow that in, it affects your world. It affects your peace. And then, of course, not only speaking life, but I believe when you see life and you speak life, as you're speaking life, you'll experience life. Which is why the 21 days of prayer is so powerful and so important for you. Listen to me. Don't take this lightly. I'm serious. If you can be here at 6 a.m., be here at 6 a.m. If you can't, I totally understand. But take this seriously. Pray with your kids for the next 21 days. If you've never prayed with your kids and your husband, pray. Pray together. Take some time. We'll give you some stuff this weekend on what to pray for and how to pray over the coming 21 days. But let's take this seriously because I believe as we begin to speak God's word over our situation, over our life, we'll start experiencing life. Do you believe that? Let me read one last scripture and then I want to close out. Ephesians 4.30. This is... In the message translation, this is what it says. It says, don't grieve God and don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit is moving and breathing in you. And is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. So don't take such a gift for granted. If you have had a rough week or you're in a depressed, desert-like time in your life, we want to pray over you today. And if that's you, I want you to stand right where you are. If that's you, you need the breath of God. You need the joy of God. You just need life in you. If that's you, I want you to stand all across this place. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If the worship team can come back up, that would be great. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's do this. We want to pray over you specifically. So would you come forward? And uh, any of my leaders that want to come up here, I want you to help me come pray. And we want to prophesy over you. We want to speak life over you. We want to encourage you. We want to pray with you. And here's how, here's how it works. Listen to me. There's nothing, there's nothing fancy about this altar or anything. I'm just telling you that right now. There's nothing. There's no power here. The power is actually when you come into alignment with what God says. So when you come into alignment and realize you are a child of God, and God desires to breathe life into you, and you, you say, just God, I just receive it. And really for tonight, maybe it's just, God, I just receive it. God, I just receive life. I just receive your life. Because you can't speak life until you experience life. And so we want to we wanna pray over you right now. And so would you just lift your hands all across this room? I'm just going to pray over you as a group. And then leaders, if you can just, I don't want anybody, don't leave here without getting prayed for, okay? But at any time after we do this, the worship team's going to sing. You're, you're more than welcome to dismiss to go after all this over. But I want to pray over you. 
And then I want to have our team pray with you. So let's pray together. Father, we just pray right now. God, I pray over every single person that has their hand raised. God, I thank you, Lord, that they have the favor of God on their life. God, I thank you that they are a child of God. And Lord, we rebuke right now the assignment of the enemy that is against them to knock the wind out of them. We cancel every demonic attack against them, against their marriage, against their kids, God, against their jobs. And we pray right now, Lord, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. No weapon formed against them will prosper. God, I pray, Lord, that you would supply their needs. God, I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with faith. I pray that you would give them perspective to see as you see, to speak as you speak, to do as you do. God, you know their needs. You know what's going on. Your word says, come to me, all who are weary, and you will give us rest. And so, God, right now, breath of God, spirit of God, Breathe into your people right now, God. Refresh them, renew them, revive them. In Jesus' mighty name.